The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hour two, Dan Cilio, National Football Show. Jason Cole, our NFL insider at the bottom of the hour, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. We, we live in such a snowflake society today. Snowflakes. Krause, my boy, as I said at the top of the first hour, you know, he's like, oh, Sills, I disagree with you, man, about Stephen A. Smith's position where you know, he was just talking about a foreign player being the face of a sport. Yeah, dude. When everybody didn't take everything so serious and we were in a culture where you had reasoning and you thought through somebody's takes. Yeah. Those days are gone. Our society has destroyed that time in our country where we debated things. The greatest statesmen in the history of our country actually are people that are in the middle. You know why? You may not get everything you want when you're going after a particular bill. You may have to take some things out of it. I'm talking about people in Washington. But you're going to get 75% of what you want passed through because you compromised. There's always compromise, give and take, in a debate. Oh, I see your side. That's called respecting people's opinions. But see, in our society today, you know that little buffer that we used to have? Don't cross my comfort zone line. People get right in your faces today. How many times have you tuned on the news and you see people just having dinner and people coming up right up to people and getting in their faces, whether they're wearing a mask or they have a MAGA hat on or whatever, and you feel that you're empowered to go over to somebody and let them know your opinion. That me, and you're invading their space. So when you're talking to me about, hey, you well, I, I got his opinion. Dude, those days are gone. You're talking like you're in fantasy land. That's not happening anymore. We're not debating whether or not it's the right thing. Hey, my boy Krause's point was, well, you know, having a foreign person in America be the face of the franchise might make it tougher to sell merchandise and also to connect with American sports fans. Is there anything wrong with that take? Today, yes. In reality, no. No. But you got to know the room. Shohei Otani, by the way, I don't care if I hear him speak or not. I'm watching that guy. And every time he's been on TV, they've had some of the highest ratings because he is a show in itself. I don't really have to hear that guy talk. I, I, I really don't. Getting an interview out of him, I don't care. He's a starting pitcher at the All-Star Game in Colorado. He's going to 
be the leadoff hitter. He's leading baseball in home runs. The last man to do this was Babe Ruth. Here, just the proper context with Ruth. I know people always say this. And by the way, for the record, don't ever give me a baseball stat prior to 1947 because it's beer drinking, old fart white dude leagues records that I don't care about. Okay, there was not diversity in your sport, so I don't care about white guy records prior to 1947. When you started getting some diversity, and maybe not even 47 because there was only one African-American, and that was Jackie. Maybe all the way until 1960, you could possibly go. You know the Red Sox didn't have a black ball player on their team until 1959. Okay, so, you know, you talk about diversity from 47. Probably have to go 1960 before you even start really looking at records where they you compare them to black players and white players. The point about Ruth, though, Ruth barnstormed against the African-American and Negro Leagues. He was always, always competing. And the year that he took Henry, or the year that he took um, Lou Gehrig with him, Gehrig came back the next year and hit 49 home runs and was the MVP of the league. Gehrig says many times back in the day, he says one of the greatest experiences he ever had was barnstorming with Ruth and playing against the Negro Leagues, uh, superstars like Satchel Page and them guys. So Ruth was an anomaly in himself. This guy almost won 100 ball games as a starting pitcher. Ruth held for generations the lowest ERA in a World Series for like ever, I think either until Sandy Koufax or Madison Baumgartner broke it. I mean, he was on his way to being a Hall of Fame pitcher. And then they turned around because they didn't have the economic resources in Boston. He started hitting. I think he hit 29 homers. Then he hit 54. Then they had to sell him because the owner of the Red Sox couldn't afford the team anymore. And so he sold Ruth to New York. And that's where his hitting prowess took off. And he hit seven. You imagine this. You got 100 wins counting the playoffs as starting pitcher, and you've hit over 700 home runs. Unbelievable. And to this day, we still talk about Ruth. 85 years after his last game he played with the Boston Braves. 80 years plus. And there's only 14 actual minutes. Do you know this? There's only 14 actual minutes of Babe Ruth footage, and we still revere this guy. Like no athlete in American history. 85 years since his last game and only 14 minutes of actual game footage of Ruth. It's incredible. And now we have this modern Babe Ruth. Let me tell you why Shohei Otani is the greatest thing ever happened to baseball. You know, we are mentioning about the snowflakes that we have in our society today. I'm going to take a a direct opposite view of how Stephen A. Smith, Stephen A. Smith and some people think Otani not having Uh, the ability to speak English, and he needs a translator. Let me tell you why I think this is important. And Otani is in the game of baseball at the right time. Let me tell you a story here. Real quick, as we move on, we'll get into talking about Aaron Rodgers here in a minute. You know, everybody always wants to give the Dodgers so much love for breaking the color line with Jackie and then bringing the first African-American into the game. Branch Rickey really was the guy. I think I broached this a little bit last time. 
the Dodgers and Mexican-Americans hated one another because of Chavez Ravine. When the Dodgers were given that spot, Walter O'Malley was given that spot to move into Southern California from Brooklyn, they had to displace Mexican-Americans and Mexicans in Southern California. They were boycotting Dodger games. When they moved into Chavez Ravine in 59-60, you couldn't find a Mexican-American for 30 years. They weren't going to go in there. Uh, 20 years. They were not going to go into that stadium. The Dodgers in the city of Los Angeles urinated all over the Mexican-Americans. One man saved it, Fernando Valenzuela. Valenzuela went in there and every Mexican-American the night pitch. By the way, he still works on the broadcast team, Spanish version for the Dodgers. I would say this to you, that Fernando Valenzuela is the second most important Dodger that's ever lived next to Jackie Robinson when it comes to race relations with that team. And he's probably the most important Dodger in Southern California of all time. Jackie in Brooklyn, breaking the color line, obviously, and Valenzuela in Southern California. He, he, it would be incredible nights when he pitched. Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, World Series. Valenzuela was amazing. I, I, I loved watching him. Now you have an opportunity here, get this, in our country right now because of how some people have viewed the Wuhan virus, Asian Americans, hate crimes are up. How we view Asians and we discriminate is up everywhere, even in college admissions. You have Shohei Otani, who's born in Japan, in Southern California. Here is baseball's chance to promote a guy that can show you that anybody in the world, like in soccer, can play in this game and be the face of the league. You have your own Messi here. You have your own Cristiano Ronaldo right in front of you if you're Major League Baseball. Do you even know what Mike Trout looks like? Bryce Harper now, it's being debated in Philly. I don't know. Maybe that's a crappy deal. You got a guy here in Shohei Otani where you're like this. This is not just the face of baseball. It's the face of the world. Baseball, which is stuck in the mud with their stupid rules, their Hall of Fame voting, is the greatest example of them not being in the now. They care about those records like they're the Holy Grail. NFL doesn't care about its record book. They care about entertaining. And this guy, Shohei Otani, is entertaining. There's not a sports fan I know that hasn't done this. This guy's incredible. You know how hard that is to say for a baseball player? Look, when you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., who's playing for the Padres, and I watch that kid every night. I think he's special. When I watch Shohei Otani play, I think he's generational special, like Babe Ruth stuff, stuff I read about in history books. Was this what Ruth was like? Hitting these 500-foot home runs, throwing a three-hit shutout? Is, was that what Ruth was like? 
when he played in Boston and they were talking about him pitching and hitting, you're getting a view at what history used to look like through the lenses of people almost 100 years ago when they watched a legendary Babe Ruth play. I watched Otani hit that 465-foot home run on Friday, and I'm like, man, there is just something unbelievable about this dude. So I look at it different than Stephen A. I think you got a chance to market the world, not just America. Don't think so small. You see, the NFL can't, they can't think any other way but promoting in America because you know why? Where, where else do you play American-style football? Canada, where else? Where else? It's a North American sport. You play baseball all over the world, Japan. China, Russia, South America, Central America, Australia. Find a place. You play baseball. You play baseball and soccer in the world. And you've got the best baseball player in the world. You've got Messi on your team, and you don't even know it. Baseball named him the starter for the American League in the All-Star game. He's going to be in the home run derby. This guy's giving you every opportunity to market him. He's like Michael Jordan right now. I mean, Michael Jordan, how how many interviews did Michael Jordan do uh, with Ahmad Rashad when he was playing back in the day? Remember, he used to just get up from those press conferences and walk away. Jordan didn't say much. I don't need Otani to say anything. I just need him to keep doing what he's doing. As a matter of fact, there's a thing of mystery about it if he doesn't even speak. Just go keep doing what you're doing, dude. Watch this. The home run derby is the stupidest thing on the planet to me. But I'm going to watch it because he's in it. He's going to start as a starter for the American League. And then he's going to hit leadoff. I'm going to watch it because he's in it. I'm not watching it because Manny Machado's in it. I'm watching it because Shohei Otani's in it. Dude, you got a guy right now that baseball hasn't had in its sport for 100 years. This guy's got a bigger attraction than, how about this? Don't you think this must have been like when it was back in 1947 when Robinson broke the color line? You wanted to see what Jackie would do and how great a player he was, which he was. And it was like a novelty. Kind of, let's see if this African-American can play. Now you're watching a foreign Japanese player not, get this, not just be good, but dominate. Not just be one of the top five. He is the guy. Krause was saying, man, if you pay these other guys $35 million, this guy's a $55 million a year dude. The next contract that you put down for Shohei Otani is going to be north of $500 million. He'll be the highest paid athlete in American sports history. Huh? Who would have thunk that? Crazy. I don't look at it as a negative. If baseball does it right, which they can't because they don't know how to do anything right. Let's keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Okay. See, wait, you don't have Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Do you think we're stupid people here? You think we don't know they took steroids? 
We have our own personal public opinion asterisk that we put on these guys. They've already been convicted in a court of public opinion. I don't need to have these tools tell me with your vote just to make you relevant that Bonds and these guys may have taken a uh, PEDs. Dude, don't think for me. Just put these guys in the Hall of Fame. You don't have a real legitimate Hall of Fame unless those dudes are in it. <laughs> you really don't. You don't have a Hall of Fame that matters. Well, let's keep Barry Bonds out. <laughs> okay. Sosa, McGuire, all the guys who actually, and get this, one quick note here on this. So how is Tony La Russa in the Hall of Fame? The manager of the White Sox, who was the manager of the Bash Brothers in Oakland. And real quick, let's think of the steroiders that La Russa had on his team. Terry Steinbeck, Jason Giambi, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Miguel Tejada. He had five juicers that I can name off the top of my head. And you're trying to tell me that him and Sandy Alderson, who was the GM of the team, didn't know when those guys were 190 one year, they came back and they were 245, and McGuire and Canseco looked like they could have played for the Oakland Raiders instead of the A's. You didn't know something was freaky? Oh, I see. Managers are in the, the managers in the Hall of Fame, but the players aren't. I didn't know anything. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll hit on Aaron Rodgers. And also, my boy Jason Cole got a brand new book out on John Elway, too. We will talk to our NFL insider. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. Dan Cilio, National Football Show. We're going to talk to our NFL insider, Jason Cole, here in a minute. By the way, as I mentioned in the last block, he's got a book out. And by the way, I didn't even realize that my friend Peter King on the front cover of the book here, Jason Cole delivers the goods the way Elway delivered the ball. And Jason and I have been friends a long time. Nice little comment inside there. You can go to Amazon. You can get the book. And I believe they went to Stanford together, if I'm not mistaken. You know them smart dudes, right? <laughs> right? These guys, they um, they all they all hang together, and he always rips me a little bit when it comes to um, uh, my education at the University of Miami. So um, we're going to talk to Jace here in a second, too. So we'll get his opinion on, you know, John Elway, by the way, was drafted by the New York Yankees. And there was a thought process that he may, if the Baltimore Colts at the time drafted him, that he may have been playing with Don Mattingly all them years. It would have been him and Mattingly playing uh, baseball. And then eventually Derek Jeter would have been playing baseball in New York. And John was great. John was like one of the first guys to do this. I think he made $300,000 his senior year because the Yankees signed him to a contract for 300 grand on a signing bonus. And then they paid him some crazy money. And uh, he was a tremendous prospect. George Steinbrenner loved him and really made a pitch. And there was a conversation that many people thought that Jack Elway, the father uh, was saying that, Hey man, you know, I don't know what John's going to do. He may go ahead and play with the Yankees. Kirk Gibson did that when he left Michigan State. What made that so incredible was that Kirk Gibson was a first-team All-American uh, split end at Michigan State. And Steve Garvey also played. He was an All-Big Ten player at Michigan State. And those guys both decided that baseball, because it was the guaranteed money, that those guys could go into baseball and um, you know carve out a career, which both of those guys carved out really, really great careers both MVPs and both MVPs with the Dodgers for that matter too. Uh, They would end up playing for the Dodgers and end up being MVPs. I know that Gibson played for the Tigers for a little bit, but uh, yeah, no. So they carved out really fine careers for themselves. Not quite hall of famers, but world championships and Garvey's right at the cusp potentially of being a baseball hall of fame type. I think he's an all-star MVP. I know that he won divisional um, MVPs. I think he won a world series MVP. 
won a regular season MVP, gold gloves, and he's got the most consecutive games played as a National League ball player. The overall record's by Rippon, uh, but um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Garvey holds the record for National League play for most consecutive games played, and they all played football at Michigan State. So we'll catch up with our friend here um, in a second. You know, as I tell everyone now, you know, I tell everybody that these teams are rocking and rolling right now and putting all of their um, depth charts together. They're getting the camps together. The Cowboys are showing up to training camp July 20th. I mean, we're eight days from the Cowboys showing up to training camp. I mean, how incredible is that? Because they're going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game. They're going to have two classes that are going to be um, – you know, going into the Hall of Fame at the same time. So I'm really looking forward to seeing these guys' speech. And, you know, it's going to be the first time, you know, that football NFL fans, outside of what we saw in the Super Bowl and some of the games that we saw maybe this past year in the playoffs where there were fans in the stands, you're going to be getting full houses pretty much at many of these facilities around the NFL. And it's going to start in Canton. And it's going to be, I think, one of the most anticipated years that we've seen in NFL history because, really, coming out of this thing, everyone wants to see a full season with really out having the pandemic really be a determining factor on what some of these teams may have to go through. Now, if we're learning anything about the Olympic Games, the Olympic Games have put the NFL on blast a little bit. Same thing what we saw here with Chris Paul a bit. Chris Paul had to miss some of the playoff games because of pro call, protocols with COVID. So if you're the NFL, you're watching some of that stuff that's going on now, and you want to make sure that you have a great start to your upcoming NFL season. You know, that first week in September there, you want to make sure that Cowboys and Buccaneers get off to a great start. You don't want to have this. Dak missed the game. You don't want to have Brady or Gronk or any of those stars or even the coaches. I mean, you, you, you don't want to have any of those guys not there in the building for that Thursday night ball game. You want to make sure you have a clean start to your Thursday, your Sunday, your Sunday night, and your Monday night. And the NFL has put all these guardrails in to make sure that they do get off to this great start. I'm looking forward to it. I I really can't wait to see this. Real quick here, before we effort our friend Jason Cole here. Looks like Apple now is going to be getting into the potential business here of the direct ticket. And so we'll give you more info on that. And with that being said, we bring our friend in, our Pro Football Hall of Fame insider, our friend Jason Cole. He jumps aboard with us now. And again, folks, I got the book here. Here it is in front of me here. Elway and I love the fact Peter King is one of my favorite people on the planet because he took over for one of my dear friends. And by the way, when I say friends, you got to remember, you never knew what you were going to get with Paul Zimmerman. One day he was like a really guy, kind dude. The next day he could be a tool bag, but you knew this. Paul Zimmerman was going to tell you and read you the riot act. And Peter kind of took that baton from who Paul Zimmerman was. And Paul was like really one of the best NFL insiders here. And so that's really cool that he said this. Before we get going, Jace, I want to ask you something here because we're seeing what Shohei Otani's doing now. And I mentioned it 
to Nate Davis in the last hour. Best athlete I've ever seen on a football field is Bo Jackson. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's a shame he's not in any Hall of Fame. I mean, he was an all-star baseball player, and his injuries in that Cincinnati playoff game precluded him from going on and having a great NFL career. God knows what he would have done. But, I mean, did John ever think – of doing the same thing that Bo did, playing for the Yankees and playing football for the Broncos. Did that ever cross his mind? I mean, he was recruited hard by Steinbrenner. Um, no, not really. Not playing both. Um, I think that he would have for a leverage play if the Colts hadn't have, hadn't have buckled to his demands. Uh, he probably would have played for the Yankees for a year. He would not. He was never going to play for the Colts. That was that was set in stone. He was never ever going to play for them. So that was but, just a leverage. That was just a leverage play, then. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, and it's hard to hard to want to be a quarterback. He loved football. That's what he thought he was going to do. Um, the only way he probably ever would have ended up in baseball is if he had gone and immediately had success. Like you go there, and all of a sudden you're at Double A and you're hitting 400. They skip you to Triple A, and then all of a sudden you're in the majors within one year. Um, and even that probably would have been hard. I mean, baseball's just – he learned what a grind baseball was during his one – it wasn't even a season of playing a full – it wasn't even a full season. It was like six weeks in Oneonta, New York. He learned how tough it was to to get through the, the travel and everything else that goes with playing baseball. And, you know, he hit under 200 for the first few – first couple of weeks. He ended up hitting over 300 by the time it was done. But – you know, he learned baseball's a struggle. It's a marathon, and he was much more interested in being a quarterback. You know, I, I, your your Hall of Fame insight is so awesome, Jason. I love every year we, you and I, off the scene, we kind of talk about the Hall of Fame, and I so admire that you sit down and you really take the game, these guys and their careers, and you wait for the final chapter instead of having people kind of write the final chapter before the career is over, mm -hmm. which is me basically sometimes, you're like, well, give me a chance to see what the book looks like when the book is five years on the shelf. So I've, I've always I've admired that. But when I say this to you, Bo Jackson's the greatest athlete I've ever seen in pro football history. Uh -huh. Would we agree with that? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I don't know who's – I mean – Look, Dion was obviously a great player. You know, Dion arguably achieved more than Bo Jackson did in his two sports. Yeah, if you were talking about like, you know, I mean, he was a hall. Dion was a Hall of Famer in one of those sports, and you know, was an All Star in the other, played in the World Series. So technically, by a pure achievement, um, Dion was a better athlete. You know, accomplished more. But if you really looked at it. Like, did you ever – like, there's that funny story about when Bo was at Auburn and I think Dion was a freshman and tried to tackle him. And Bo puts his hand on the helmet. And, and Dion talks about, yeah, it was one of those, praise Jesus, he's trying to heal me right now because he's about to kill me. You know, like that kind of thing. Like, even Dion kind of knows, like, if you're just drawing up a physical specimen of what – a you know running back after like it's bow right like it's just it's bow like the power the strength the ability to hit a ball you know 400 feet 450 feet and then run over a linebacker like everybody shows the the brian bosworth 
you know, highlight as the proof of strength for Bo Jackson. My favorite is still Mike Harden um, because Mike Harden was a real player. Boz was just a, a figment of his own imagination, right? Mike Harden was a player and he ran over Mike Harden. Okay, Mike Harden, a safety, who played for the Denver Broncos for a number of years. He was really, really good. Um, I mean, he just destroyed Mark, Mike Harden in the open field. He destroyed Bosworth. He destroyed a lot of people, right? But the Mike Harden one is the one that just makes me go, oh, God. And then, yeah, he's got sprinter speed with that 225-pound body. I mean, it's just ridiculous to think about what Bo Jackson did. And, and I always come back to this. Throw on the YouTube of him running up the wall. Oh, you know, in baseball, right? You know, makes the catch, runs up the wall, runs back down. Like, <laughs> like you just look at you go, humans aren't supposed to do that. And then you, he breaks the bat over his thigh, right? Like, like the strength to break a baseball bat over your thigh. Don't even try it at home. Because you're going to end up with a bruise that is going to send you to the hospital if you're a normal human being. You know he what, Jason? When you football. say that, when, yeah. when you say this stuff, I'll tell you, when you're sitting there and you're looking at somebody like Terrell Davis and you're looking at him and debating whether or not he's a Hall of Famer and you're looking down and you see the 2,000 rushing yards, Bo averaged, I think, one year six yards a carry because he played half the season in baseball. Mm, but right. when you're looking at a guy like Terrell Davis, you're not talking like this about Terrell Davis. You're looking at a lesser player athletically, not resume wise. But that's everybody. That's every human. I get it. It that's must every, be tough it's, to it's look at that. Fair. Oh yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. Look, I love Zach Thomas, and, and I'm I'll stand on the table for Zach Thomas to get into the Hall of Fame. But I'm not going to pretend that he's the same athlete as Ray Lewis. I'll say that he achieved a lot of the same things that Ray achieved numerically, like number of Pro Bowls and a certain number of plays and stuff. But he's not Ray Lewis at that position. He's not LT. He's not, you know, like the, he's much more in line with what does your typical NFL football player look like, right? And he happened to take care of himself and studied really hard and did a great job. And I think he's deserving of being in the NFL. But most guys are in that realm, right? There's only a handful of human beings who you can't you can't draw X's and O's for them. Like they defy the X's and O's of the game. Lawrence Taylor defied the X's and O's of the game. Reggie White defied the X's and O's of the game. Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, John Elway. You couldn't draw up a defense that covered the whole field. Because they just say, go, you know, like he tells receivers, go deeper. Go as far as you can because I'll throw it until you hear somebody yelling popcorn and peanuts, right? Like, <laughs> you, you just – I can do anything I want. And, and, and in the book, if you read Ronnie Lott's comments in the book about John Elway when they faced in college, and Ronnie Lott's covering, you know, Kenny Marjoram running deep, and he goes, yeah, there's no way that anybody's going to throw that ball to Kenny Marjoram because I'll just – you know, I'll just bat it away. I'll run after it and bat it away. And then all of a sudden, Elway throws it, and Lot's like, whoa, wait a sec. He discovered that one human being who can do things that nobody else can do. Um, you know, there was a great conversation I, I saw on Twitter where Dan Orlovsky is talking, I think, to Pat McAfee this over the weekend, right? 
or late last week it was, and he was talking about how Matt Stafford can throw a 40-yard out, you know, to the you know wide side of the field, and he's willing to try that and throw it in dip, into triple coverage because he has that kind of arm strength. And, you know, Stafford always looks at Orlowski and says, you know, basically, well, you can't do that. Elway did the same thing with Gary Kubiak, right? The, the thing about it is you may have the ability to do that, but is that the wise thing to do, right? And that's where I get on Matt Stafford. I sit, sit there and go, yeah, you can make that throw. You have the arm strength to do it. Is that a winning play? And that's that's the question I ask about a guy like that. I would say this to you then, too. You know, matching the talent up with the position and the smarts for the position is why I say Brady is, you know, him, Elway, those guys have been able to screw both of those parts of their brains in, Jace. The ability and the a cerebral understanding of the position where they know like this, and they do it absorbing the intel on the fly going, I can't throw that out. There's a 45% chance that they're successful. We're up by 10. Why would I throw that? Whereas you've got guys like Baker Mayfield that may throw that ball, but guys like Elway, guys like Peyton Manning, guys like Tom Brady, they know the percentages of where they are. And I think that's what separates. It's not always the most gifted guy on the planet that plays that position. My Uh opinion, man, that's the only position, Jason, the quarterback position when we're talking about the evaluation tests at the combines, that I think that the Wonderlick test matters. You've got to be a smart guy at that position. You can't be a dumbass at that position and not know where to go with the ball. Well, you, look, a lot of things have to be planned out and thought out. And again, like you're saying, um, do I have the ability to make this throw in this situation? Right. And and Manning knew the difference, and Brady, Elway. You know, he could take more chances, right? Because he simply had more more physical gift and more physical talent than anybody else, right? So, but but somewhere in there, they all understood these were winning plays. Oh yeah, these are the plays that I have to make to be able to do it, right? Um, this is what I have to accomplish in this situation. And Marino was like that. Brady certainly at the at the far end of that, you know, at that spectrum. Uh, you know, there's, you know, there's a handful of guys who are like this, right? Troy Aikman certainly understood, you know, what kind of play does he have to make in a given situation? What's the smart play? And when people look at Troy Aikman and say, oh, well, you know, his numbers don't show that he was all that good. It's like, uh, you didn't watch him play, did you? <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, get exactly what you're talking about. It is the... You know, it's it's the nature of playing the most complicated position in sports. And it's not necessarily saying I only have a 45% chance of making this play, but recognizing in like this, no. Or this, you know, no, yes, this, no, this, this has got to happen here and making it happen instantaneously as you see it. And there are just very few humans who can process all of that information and know right away, yes or no, and be right most of the time. Paul Feinbaum has come out publicly saying that he doesn't believe that um, Urban Meyer is going to be successful in the NFL. He says that he's still got a college mentality. Where do you sit on this? Was that what Feinbaum was saying or he just thought it wouldn't last? I was I was a little – I remember reading Feinbaum's comment. I was sort of like, okay, predicting that, that Urban Meyer is not going to last very long somewhere is not going out on a limb. 
Um, I, I didn't get the sense that he knew whether he was going to be successful or not. But if you if you measure success in terms of okay, you last somewhere six, seven, eight years, ten years, fifteen years, no, there's no chance Urban Meyer lasts in the NFL that long. He doesn't. Do you have think he has success? Do you think he has success in the league? Uh, look, it's going to depend on the quarterback. I mean, come on, <laughs> there's, there's so much that goes into this. Is the quarterback going to be any good? The quarterback's good. He's got a chance, right? I mean, Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl, for God's sake. Okay, <laughs> I mean, like, 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 let's get serious, right? Like, yeah, there, there's a there's there's a there's a, sh- a relatively short list of of coaches who won Super Bowls. Who you look and you go, that wasn't because of him. It was because the players were so good, right? I mean, George Seifert won too. George Seifert's a very nice man. He ain't going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, I can tell you that right now. Okay, very nice man. Okay. Not going to the Hall of Fame. Just, I'm sorry. That's just not not going to happen. I watched the man coach. I know who won those Super Bowls, right? Oh. So, look, with Feinbaum's prediction on Urban, look, is Urban going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars better? Absolutely. Is it going to, you know, is, I, I remember watching Jimmy Johnson with the, you know, with the Dolphins in his last hurrah as a coach. He made the organization better. He brought it back to life. Would you call him successful in Miami? Most people not, would say no. Not, not, okay. not Jimmy's level. Not Jimmy's level because Jimmy got tired because yeah. Jimmy, you know, Jimmy burned so hot that there's no way to make that last. And that's why Jimmy, I don't think there's any stop ever in his entire career where he lasted more than four or five years, right? I mean, you just look at his resume. It's like one place to the next to the next. I mean, Larry Brown in basketball, same kind of thing. Next place, next place, next place. You got to get to the new challenge. You got to make it fresh. I mean, players are like that. Coaches are like that, especially now. But so is Urban Meyer going to make them better? Absolutely. They can't make them worse. Is it going to make them a serious contender? That's going to depend on Trevor Lawrence. And so I don't think it's a, I I don't think Feinbaum saying he's not going to last very long is very like out there prediction. I just kind of look at it and go, okay, Paul, you're just telling me that you're just saying the obvious. Um, Is he going to win a Super Bowl? Look, he's got the number one overall pick and a guy who a lot of people think was, you know, one of the greatest talents of the last 20 years to play quarterback. That's a pretty good starting point. I'm going to name you three quarterbacks here. Tua Tagovailoa, Joe Burrow, or Justin Herbert. At the end of this coming season, which quarterback are we going to be saying, wow, this guy here's projection is like a Marino of these three guys, and which guy is going to be struggling to just keep his gig? Well, I mean – I think most likely, I mean, Herbert's going to be given the most chances to throw the ball around. So he's going to be winging it the most, right? So that gives him a chance to pile up stats, sort of like what he did last year. They were behind a lot. Burrow, I think, unfortunately, you know, he's buried in Cincinnati. So can you overcome your organization? Probably not. Um, and he's going to probably struggle with some this year because he's coming back from a knee injury, right? I mean, you remember when Carson Palmer came back from the knee injury initially? You know, it took him a while to feel comfortable in the pocket. Tua is – I think Tua is going to have a wonderful season. And the Dolphins, despite their – you know, they got a pretty rough early schedule. They're the team that's best suited to have success as a team. It may not be reflected in Tua's numbers, 
But the fact that they took Waddle in the first round and they brought in Fuller and they've upgraded their weapons, like whew, I, I like what I like a lot of things that they did. I mean, the only thing I would have done that would have been different is I would have taken, you know, the running back that Pittsburgh took, Harris, right? I would yeah, have taken I would have taken Najee Harris and said, "Hey, let's let's have Waddle and Harris, and we're just going to try and outscore everybody." And they went with a pass rusher. I understand that, but I would have gone. I would have pushed all my chips in to help Tua out and make the game as easy as possible for both Tua and for for the defense. But I think they've surrounded Tua with weapons. You know, they get. You know, they got. We talk about Fuller, Waddle. Um, they got. The Parker kid coming back, Preston Williams, not a bad player. Jasicki, um, at wide receiver, you know, running back is still kind of to be determined there. But I think that team's going to be really good. Whether Tua's numbers reflect it, you know, that's it. it it's you now it's kind of just an unfair situation for him. Two questions here. Okay, do you believe the quarterback? is in New Orleans for Sean Payton between Tyson Hill and Jameis Winston. Is his future at one of those uh, – with one of those two guys? Probably not. I mean, look, look, if you just take raw talent, I mean, it's not even close. Jameis Winston's a way more talented guy. But Jameis Winston forever has been sloppy, okay? Yeah. You know, the turnovers are sloppy. Um and I, I remember having this conversation um, with Mike Mayock, you know, and this is before Mayock obviously took over as the as the Raiders GM. And I know that people now rip him for his selections there. It's not all his fault, but staying on point, I mean, Mayock, I, we were we were sitting on the field at University of Florida, and we were kind of talking this one through. And I was just like, look. You got in trouble when you were a freshman in college. And I'm not even gonna say whether it was sexual assault or not, because what you know, we're way past that point, right? Of trying that case. But you got into very serious trouble when you were a freshman in college, right? And if you thought you had a pro career ahead of you, wouldn't you just buttoned it all up and said, I'm not doing anything else? Like you're not yes. gonna catch me out, right? I'm not going to get in any kind of trouble like this. No way. He does the crab legs things. He does the screaming in the in the you know the in the cafeteria. Then he does the shooting up the the window. It's sloppy. Even in Tampa with the uh, with the like the, the taxi, cab driver, yeah, the, tax, the taxis, and the you know he he's just sloppy, right? And it's like, look, you got to take care of business first. And I know there's been other guys who were sloppy too. Brett Favre was sloppy with a lot of the things that he did in his life too. You know, turnovers included. At the end of the day, Brett Favre won one Super Bowl. Okay, there's a lot of people who make the case that Brett Favre underachieved. Oh yeah, for his career, right? But he only won one. Jameis Winston has way underachieved for the amount of talent that the guy has. And I'm not saying it's Brett Favre. He doesn't have that kind of arm. But he has the talent. He's better than Taysom Hill if you're just doing a quarterback challenge, right? But I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think Taysom Hill's good enough to be a full-time quarterback. So, yeah, I think that at the end of this year, Sean Payton's back in there looking for another quarterback. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Jameis Winston turns it around. I hope that he finally realizes what his talent is. 
but I wouldn't bet on it. Final question for you. Next year in 2022, who will be a bigger commodity when it comes to coaching searches and who will be a hotter coaching candidate, Eric Bieniemy or Doug Peterson? I, I, I got you, oh, Eric. Okay. Uh, you, you froze up. You froze up for like three seconds. Who okay. Who, who will be a bigger coaching, a hotter yeah, coaching yeah, candidate? Would it be? Will it be Doug Peterson or will it be Eric Bieniemy in twenty twenty two? Oh, it'll be Bieniemy because they're gonna they're gonna be good again, right? Um, Doug Peterson's gonna be sitting there doing nothing, um, pretty much. So Bieniemy's got Mahomes. As long as you got Mahomes on your side, everybody's gonna want you now. I think they're both slightly flawed candidates. I love Doug Peterson, and I like Eric Bieniemy a lot. I mean, I just know personally Doug Peterson. But if you're betting on those two, the one who coaches Pat Mahomes is the one who's going to look all the <laughs> The guy, the guy who's in the game. Don't forget, folks. Elway here again. This is really a great book, "A Relentless Life" by my friend Jason Cole. Please go out and get it. And Jason, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you doing this as always. Hey, time, dude. I'll talk to you later. You got it. Jason Cole will take a brief time out and keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. 
is a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Cilio. Programming note, tomorrow, Hall of Famer Morton Anderson will join us. What was it like to put that gold jacket on? Getting that knock on the door. You're a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Every kid growing up that plays that sport one day wants to hear that knock on the door. You dream about having that knock on the door. You know? What was it like for him? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's only two place kickers that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jan Stenerud, and I believe it's Morton. I think when Morton left the game, I think he was the all-time leading scorer in pro football history. If I'm not mistaken, I know that Adam Vinatieri since broken that. And Vinatieri's going to be a slam dunk Hall of Famer as well. And, you know, I, I, I kid a lot about you know, talking about whether or not kickers should be in the Hall of Fame. Let, let's let's be candid. The point differential in the National Football League's three points. It just tells you how important how important was special teams and field goal kicking in Tom Brady's career. Right, three of those seven. I mean, you could really put it at the foot of Adam Vinatieri when you're talking about you know clutch kicks and how about the Tuck game too. You know, when he had a kick in that and Clement Weather up in New England against the Raiders. I mean, you're talking importance, especially in a city like New England or when you're in a place like Pittsburgh or Philly where the weather or Green Bay where the weather is horrific, your special teams and field goal kicking have to be A+. plus, Not B. You're never going to win a Super Bowl if you have B+. Special teams and a C kick, you're never going to win like that. You can't. As I said, point differential is so close in the league. And with the way that they make these new rules and everything that is all, you know, wanting to have parity in the sport, you have to make sure that you have a spectacular kick. Watch this pass rusher, corners, quarterback, and O line are essential. Essential. And having a successful football season, I don't care what level you're talking, college or pro, have to have that. All right. I, I do want to mention Aaron Rodgers here. So Aaron Rodgers was asked the question. I think he was playing in that golf tournament up in uh, Lake Tahoe. By the way, I love that event. You know, all the sports celebrities, Charles Barkley played in it. I saw Patrick Mahomes. I saw Travis Kelsey. I like that event. I, I've actually gone to it, not been in it. I've actually gone to that thing. It's just a really cool event that you get a chance to see some of the – and Steph, Steph Curry can play, man. I mean, he's really good. Tony Romo's good. 
So, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I think John Smoltz too, man, was up there on the leaderboard anyway. So he was asked a question about, um, once again, uh, how this is going to play out up in Green Bay. He says over the next couple of weeks, so he's going to run it right to the start gate, which means this. This guy had any issues about playing? I mean, how about this? Is there still 10% out there doing this? There's still a shot this guy might not play because of how quirky he is. I'm going to only put 10% that he doesn't play. And I'll say this to you. If he doesn't play, I think he doesn't play ever again. I think he just puts his hand up and goes, I'm out. I'm going to go into a different part of my life. He's got the money in the bank. He doesn't really need to do anything else. It's all set up for him. You know, he can get into doing Jeopardy. Maybe they have him. I don't know. Or he could probably get into just doing um, NFL football and being a broadcaster for NFL uh, and and do that. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, in my opinion, 90%, he's going to be playing. All right. Krause, appreciate it. Cal, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming aboard. By the way, if you missed any of the show, go over to the Jacob Media channel, 4 to 6 Eastern time. We catch you Monday through Friday. Till tomorrow, we shall see you on the flip side. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.